But so often we go in owning what we need this person to do. And so it results in a conversation that causes us to be responsible for the outcome rather than us to influence them so that they are responsible for the outcome. Hi, and you just entered the Leadership Gym. I'm Randy Hall. I'm an executive coach and leadership consultant. And this is the place where we work on our ability to lead our team, lead our business, and yes, lead ourselves. If you are looking to improve your capabilities as a leader, you are in the right spot. And I'm glad you stopped by the Leadership Gym today. One of the things we've been having a lot of conversations about, both in my coaching work and in the executive training that we do and the leadership development that we do, is accountability. How does that team show up? How does your team think when they come to work? How much ownership do they take over problems and solutions to those problems? Do they show up with a level of commitment to the future? These kinds of things, when we talk about accountability, bring it to life because we can just say, hey, we want people to be more accountable. And then we feel like it's our job as leaders to now hold them accountable, which really means punishing people for doing the wrong thing. And that doesn't necessarily get us a team that shows up in the way we want just gets us a team that we punish more often when they're not. And that's not a sustainable long-term approach to accountability. And so we've put a couple of webinars together that are going to help you find a process for accountability, not just some things to do when we react as people aren't accountable. A process and a system and a set of habits that you can build as a leader to create a more accountable team around you. So you can go to leadershipgym.com slash webinars, and you'll see that free information there. So you can sign up for the webinar and learn how to create consistent, consistently improving, and just a different level of accountability on your team. You know, when we think about leadership, one of the things we're going to talk about today are conversations and some of the components that we want to have in our conversations or use to measure our conversations with so that we know we're having the ones that make the kind of impact that we want as a leader. Too often, we're having these conversations because we want them to think differently, approach their work differently, show up differently, get a different set of results, any of those things. We're having the conversation because we want change to happen for this individual. But we don't always do the things or incorporate the things into our conversation that actually cause change for an individual. We end up incorporating the things that we think we should have in there, but not necessarily the ones that actually drive change. They're almost reactive or impulsive or our idea of what we should do, whether or not it's the thing that works the most. And so we're going to talk about these conversations a little bit today. Conversations are our biggest tool as leaders 
to help people start down the path of change, do something different tomorrow than they did today. There's other things that we can use, other forms of communication, emails. There are things that we can do sort of in a bigger setting, depending on what kind of leadership role we have and where we are in our organization and how big it is and how it's organized. There may be other leadership tools. But what we don't want to do is give away one of the most powerful leadership tools we have, our conversations, because we use them wrong or because we don't get the most out of them. There are three things we want to think about when we make sure that we have effective conversations with people on our team or people that we want to help influence toward a more successful way of behaving, a more successful set of practices and patterns and habits. And the first one of those is ownership. I hear managers have conversations with people on their team and the work that I get to do sometimes. I hear managers or leaders talk to me about the conversations that they had. And so often those conversations that I have with them sound like, well, I told them this and I laid out my expectations here and I made sure that they understood that this needed to be different for these reasons. And I shared with them why they needed to make these changes. All good things, not to say that those things shouldn't be part of a conversation, but you just took complete ownership for the change if that's the case. If you had all the instructions, if you had all the ideas, if you had all the reasons, if you had all the urgency, if you had all of the need for the change, then you now own the change. And that doesn't mean that as leaders, we don't own our ability to help others change, but we don't own the actual shift. They do. They're the only ones that can execute it. But so often we go in owning what we need this person to do. And so it results in a conversation that causes us to be responsible for the outcome rather than us to influence them so that they are responsible for the outcome and for a different outcome. And so we want to make sure that we, in the conversations that we have, cause them to take ownership of what happens next rather than just explain what has to happen next or us ending up taking ownership. Sometimes we'll even do that with follow-up. Well, I'm going to check in with you on Friday to see if this is done. Great. It's your job now to make sure that I did that. Or I'm going to be here to help you. Or I'm going to tell you how I did it. Or I'm going to tell you how I think it should be done. Because now I own the process for doing it differently. So now I own the process. I own the outcomes. I own all of what you're about to do next. Your job is just to listen to me and do what I say. Which means that I also own whether or not it works. If I sort of own the set of instructions for a human and they go execute in a way that doesn't get the results that I want, it's still my fault because they were my instructions. If I said, hey, I need you to go try this. This will work for you. Do this well. Do it just like this. And they go execute, even if they execute poorly or they left out lots of things they should have known or they didn't do it with the same level of engagement I expected and they don't get the results that they want. Well, now my boss just gave me bad advice, bad information, told you that wasn't going to work, knew it wasn't going to work that way. See, 
that doesn't work. I remember years ago coaching uh, some Little League baseball, and occasionally uh, my son was on the team too, which is uh, sometimes challenging, as many of you might have experienced. And if I said, hey, I want you to try this, move your hands like this or your feet like this, or I want you to swing in this way, and it didn't work on the very next pitch, it was C. That's a bad idea. <laughs> so you end up owning that rather than, hey, try this, see what you get. Try it 10 times, see what kind of outcome you get and if you like it better. See if you find anything in there that works for you. Giving them some ownership of the work and the outcome too. And so it's perfectly fine to say, hey, here's a couple of things I want you to try. I want you to see if they work for you. I want you to give them a shot. I want you to let me know what feels like it It might connect with the way you want to do things, the way you want to work with customers, the way you want to manage this project, the way you want to communicate with others on our team. Give this a shot. See how it feels for you. See if it's something that you feel like makes a difference for you. I've seen it work sometimes. Will you try? Much, much better way to have a conversation than here's all the answers. I just need you to go implement them. And by the way, I own what happens depending on how they work because that's the truth of what we do. So make sure ownership is something they have when they leave your conversations. That's one. Two, and this is a tool you can use throughout conversations, questions. Which ones did you use during the conversation? If you didn't use very many in the conversation, then you won't get ownership. You won't get a change in thinking. You won't cause them to engage their brain in ways that now lead them to do different things or to have insights about how they might do different things. If you didn't ask questions in your conversations, you've missed a huge Opportunity. And we talk about questions a lot because questions move us to our prefrontal cortex. When we start to think of an answer to them or how they might work or if they might work, we are automatically in our thinking, deciding, choosing, executive part of our brain. And that means we have access to all of our mental maps that we might be able to connect together or create insights for ourselves or figure out a new process or a new path or a new way of doing something. We're in that part of our brain. If we are, as I mentioned under the ownership components, just giving people instructions, they can easily be in their reactive brain saying that won't work. That's a bad idea. That's never going to fit with the way I want to do things. They can be in all of that noise in their head while we're trying to help them. And so we aren't helping them because we're putting them in the wrong place to help them by the way we conduct the conversation questions cause us to move people to the part of their brain that gets them to think about what they want to do next, which is where ownership happens, by the way. So these two things connect very, very clearly. When I say, hey, what do you think you want to do next based on what we've talked about here? Or what's a way you want to go tackle this based on the conversation that we've had and some of the ideas that we've kicked around? What's your plan for next? And if you don't have one, do you think you could pull one together that we could kick around and make better with each other's help? Something like that is collaborative, causes them to consider new approaches, new possibilities, new directions, and own them because we didn't. So the second thing you need to make sure are present in all of your leadership conversations, if possible, are questions. Now, sometimes what managers will say to me is, yeah, but I've got a really poor performer and I just need them 
to do a couple of things. I don't need them to be thinking all that much differently. I just need them to comply with my wishes and go execute. And that's fine, but we haven't improved that person's performance if that's how we're working with them. We've improved their compliance with our idea of their better performance. And that's not sustainable. As soon as we look away, pay attention to somebody else, go focus on another poor performer, that poor performer will revert to their habits and patterns and actions that they were executing on before we had our, you know, tough conversation. (laughs) That's what will happen. We'll get a performance bump for them. We won't get a change in performance. So make no mistake, when we cause people to sort of gut it out and willpower their way through doing what we said so they keep their job or so they stay out of trouble. We did not change their future performance. We only changed their temporary compliance. And that doesn't get us better. It just keeps that person, that human on our team from doing the least that they can or making more mistakes. It doesn't help them get toward their best. They're just following our instructions so they aren't as bad as they were before we gave them new instructions with a sense of urgency and some punishment associated with them or at least some threats in there somewhere. So make sure that we're using questions, even in conversations that are with poor performers. Hey, you're really struggling here. It feels like this doesn't work for you. Is this the right place for you? Is this the right job for you? I'd love for you to think about that. There's still questions. It feels like your performance is far below what even you want it to be. It's not matching the goals that you set. It's not matching the things that you told me you wanted to be good at. What do you want to do next? And how can I help? And that kind of brings us to our third component of really good leadership conversations. And that is that we get to a plan, not just an intent. So often, I watch leaders and managers have conversations, and I'm sure I've had dozens or probably hundreds of these in my leadership career, too, where I felt good about the intent that I was able to get. Maybe I did make them take ownership. Maybe I did use questions that caused them to engage and think differently. And maybe they said something like, you know what, you're right. I got to pay more attention to that. I got to be more diligent there. I got to be more organized there. I got to manage my time differently. I need to build better relationships. I need to focus my sales segmentation plan differently. Any of the things that might happen. And when we hear that, when we hear them say those things, we think, yes, that's it. That's perfect. I just had a wonderful leadership conversation. I I injected a, a discussion into their brain, into their world in a way that helped them make this choice. And I have done great work here. I have caused them to take ownership. I've used questions to get them to this place where they said, I do need to do that differently, or I think I want to do that differently, which is key to any sort of change. So we feel really, really good about it. Yes, done my work. I've done my job. The reality is all we did was the first part of our job. It's an important part. It's just only a part because now what they have is an intention to do something different. 
And what we know and what a lot of research will continually reinforce for us is that we don't always execute on our intentions as humans. We need to look no further than New Year's resolutions or all the things that you told yourself over the last month you were going to do differently and didn't or do more of and didn't or do less of and didn't. And that's not a you thing. That's just a human thing. We all do it. We do not follow our intentions. We follow our habits. We follow our processes. We follow the things that we've repeated a lot already and know how to do well without all this willpower. Intentions only happen if they aren't already habits or patterns with a tremendous amount of willpower. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. I'm going to save more money. All the things we might say we're going to do. We could have great intentions, but if we don't have a plan there, that's all we've got are intentions. We don't have anything we can repeat and replicate. I mean, we can replicate our intentions. They just don't get us any further than the first time we had them. And so what we need to do at that stage of the game is say, great, I love that you want to work in that direction. How are you going to do that? Go back to questions to cause a plan to happen. And if they don't know, just get the first steps in there and let them build on that. Our brain is exceptional. It is a master. It's a ninja at helping us put plans together when we sort of want to and we spend time focusing on the how associated with that want to. So when I want to go do something different and then I start to think in a really focused way about how to go do those things, my brain starts to build a mental map that I can actually execute on. But you know what? I can't execute on save more money until I know where I'm going to save it. It's not even possible. I can't get there. I can't just think hard and save money. I have to actually do something. I have to spend less. I have to choose to shop at the grocery store rather than order in or go out to the meal. But I have to think about the details of my next action before I can actually take my next action. And what we're doing when we say, hey, tell me about how you're going to do that, even if it's something that feel I'm just going to do it. Well, that sounds good, but often we don't just do it. And so thinking about how helps us do it. So talk with me a little bit about how. Yeah, I'm going to be more diligent. I'm going to pay more attention. I'm going to get my reports in on time. I'm going to go call those prospects. I'm going to do all this. Well, great. How many are you going to call? What are you going to say when you do call them? How are you going to change that conversation a little bit so that it helps you? How are you going to track your progress on those things? We're going to use questions to help them create their plan, just like we used questions to help them create their intention. Intention is important, and by itself, it's really, really lonely. And so we want to give it some company with a plan. Now they've got some things that they might be able to actually put in place. So make sure that you're having leadership conversations that really do get you a return on your investment in time. Help them truly reach a higher level of success and a higher level of performance because you spoke with them, because you took your time to work with them and invest in them and support them and do it by making sure that they take ownership of what happens next, that you use questions to drive different thinking, not just instructions to drive more compliance, and that you help them work through a plan 
not just an intent. Do these three things consistently and you will start to see people's behavior change in a really sustainable way around you. You start to become a leader that can have more impact on a group of people. You start to become someone that consistently improves the quality, the productivity of a team of people, and that changes the future for them. Hey, if you're happy with what we do here, if you like being part of this kind of conversation or if it helps you think differently yourself, please, if you would, give us a review and a rating on wherever you listen to podcasts. I hope we've earned a five-star rating because I'd love to have that so that people know there's value here. And I hope that you'll take the time to give us a review to let people know what you found that was valuable. That will help them make their choice whether this is worth their time or not. And more leaders make the world better, which is ultimately what we're trying to do here. So make sure that your leadership conversations are what they need to be for you to have the most impact on the people that you have them with and use them to go make a difference. 